Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the dinner table. I'm your host, Aislinn Campbell, and with me, of course, every week is... Joe Hilliard. Hello, Joe. Good evening. Here we are, sitting at the dinner table, drinking a tasty beverage. We were true to ourselves. I came home, and we strolled the garden, and you just gave me a great tour. This last week, we had a very nice thunder rainstorm, and then we've had some warm weather, and I made sure to fertilize and plant some stuff, and the plants are reacting really well. Everything looks good. So I was happy to show it off. So I need some help. With what? Well, you know we get the Dagon produce basket delivered. And the first time I did it, I did the chef's basket. Yes. And in the chef's basket came a big cut of liver. Nice. Liver's good for you. Oh, I don't mind cooking and serving the liver. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking everyone listening to reflect on their favorite way to prepare liver and let me know what that is, please. My mom likes to eat fried liver, like basically like you're making a chicken fried steak, liver and onions, like you get at Luby's. The sauteed onions and the fried mixed uh -huh. together? Uh-huh. Exactly. I could do that. But Maybe you could... you've got some suggestions and I would love to hear them. Yeah. Liver. Beef liver. Can you make pate out of beef liver? Could like cut it in half and do one thing with one half and one thing with the other half? Because it's a big chunk, right? Do you know what you just did? What? You just created an unanswered question. Oh, if you can make pate with beef liver? Well, no, I'll know that by this time next week. I'm certain you can. And I'll probably talk about this'll, it here. This will toss back to our awful episode. But seriously, if you've got a liver idea out there, we'd love to hear it. Email us, talk at dinnertabletalks.com. Please do. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. We're easy to find. So yeah, I'll answer that question next week. But this week, there are two unanswered questions, which means it's time for... Unanswered questions. There was one thing that jumped out at me when I was listening to last week's episode. And you were talking about the mating rituals that you're observing during Backyard TV. There was only one thing that jumped out at you? As a female, there's so many things that always jump out at us, <laughs> especially during mating season. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're watching those lizards more closely than I am. And we you have mentioned so their, many lizards. Yeah. You mentioned their red throats. Yes. And I knew that they had a name, but I couldn't remember it then. Are you talking about the anoles or the thing that's on their throat? The thing that's on their throat. Oh, okay. Like, what is that all about for real? Because all of our lizards are not anoles. Well, I looked it up and it says that only male anole lizards engage in throat puffing. So that if you see a throat puffing lizard, it is an anole. Well, that's fine. But some of them don't look like anoles. Like what I, I know anoles to look like. Because some of my lizards, the ones that are doing the throat thing, they have horns and raised spines on their back. And they look different. They don't look like an anole. Or the anole that I know. Well, I imagine that... So I, I will totally look it up. I um, imagine that if anoles are not your lizards out there, that it's they're doing the throat puffing for the same reason that the anole lizards do. It's a reaction to danger. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to puff up its size. A lot of oh, okay. animal, a yeah, lot of animals yeah. will do that. And it's a mating thing? Yeah, it's a it's mating activity. Uh, the mating season for anole lizards generally starts in the beginning of the spring and lasts until the very end of summer. Uh-huh. In order to lure in females for breeding, the male will frequently puff out their throat and engage in mating dances. I saw that. They lift their tail Push up Push-ups, bobbing yeah. of the head, yeah. and opening their mouth real wide. Uh -huh. I've seen all that. There was some squirrels well, chasing is, each other, by the way. Well, that thing is called a dewlap. Oh, well, that makes sense. And now you know. In a human, when it's a saggy flap, it's called a dunlap. I, dun thought, I thought that was a dewlap also. Dunlap over your belt. <laughs> you got me. 
podcasts do you listen to? Yeah, you did ask me that. Well, I know that you listen to more podcasts than I do. I don't listen to that many more. I don't think. But you're, I... you're the forever podcast listener guy that I've ever known. Yeah, but I, I don't listen to podcasts as frequently as I think I once did. You listen to Howard Stern. Yeah, but that's not every a podcast. Day. Okay, it's not a podcast. It's a radio show that ultimately became a podcast because... Well, right? I listen to it on I mean, an app. I mean, I listen to Dinner Table Talks. I listen to my other podcasts that I'm involved in, Beer and a Movie. I listen to those every week. But I listen to interview podcasts, and it's usually based on the guests. So Mark Marin is a favorite of mine and Joe Rogan. But I, I want to look at the guests because both of them get into territory sometimes that I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. But then I listen to a lot, I listen to mostly movie podcasts, movie news, industry news, and my couple of favorite are film comment and indie wire screen talk. What happens with me is that podcast listening has to do with driving. Not only have I not been driving, but also my car doesn't hook up to my new phone oh, regularly. That's a bummer. I didn't realize your car didn't hook up to your new phone. Yeah, it's almost like technology is requiring us to buy new things. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> a whole new car. I'm like, screw that. So I can listen to my music. I used to listen to Spilled Milk, which is a food podcast. Mm-hmm. The idea is, is that it's comedy and they talk about food. So that's, you know, right at my alley. And then I listen to Nick and Megan in bed. Oh, oh, Nick Offerman from uh, Parks and Rec. I love Nick Offerman. And I love Megan Mullally, who is from Will and Grace and other things that are awesome. They bring on guests, but most import- mostly I just like the two of them, their interaction. The thing that I've noticed about my me is that if there's too much energy in the podcast nonstop, especially from the beginning, or the YouTube video even for that matter, there's too much that it turns me off. Well, by the time this comes out, happy belated Mother's Day. Oh, thank you. It was a a beautiful Mother's Day weekend. I spent a lot of time with the kids. Because I've got time during my day now, I'm working, but yeah, Friday, let's go to the beach. The weather's perfect. Savannah, you want to go to the beach? Let's check with Lily and see if she wants to go to the beach. We'll pick her up. As we're going over to get Lily, Savannah says, can we get breakfast tacos? I'm like, yes, of course. So we happened to stop at the place that everyone in Portland goes to get their tacos. Taqueria Tapatia. Mm. Of course, we've made jokes over the years of the name and what it's been called is Taqueria Tiptoes and Taqueria Tapatio and Taqueria Topachico, whatever. Mm. Savannah says, this is the best taco. What is this taco? This is the best taco I've ever eaten. And Lily from the back of the truck goes, yeah, we have the best tacos. And me, of course, I'm like, yeah, I've been eating these tacos since high school. We literally used to skip out of school. Yeah, but not exactly that either. But a dollar for a bean and cheese, $2 for a full bacon, egg and cheese taco, whatever. It just goes back to one of our essential theses here on the podcast. And that is that Corpus Christi, South Texas, where we live, does indeed have the best breakfast tacos in the world. In the world. Period. Yep. Come visit. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the beach and you can ride the ferry. Exactly. We actually live 30 minutes from the beach and you have to get to the island by ferry or by... A causeway? By the, by the ferry A or the bridge. causeway. A ferry is not an every city has one kind of thing. Right. So we're going across. Were you looking through the eyes of a tourist this go round since you've been staying at home for so long? No, not exactly. I, I have this, you see what you choose to see oh, yeah. kind of mentality. Oh, yeah. My fairy, you know, has a school of dolphins playing out in the intercoastal canal around it. That's what my fairy had. 
one of the things that you can do on the ferry or that's real exciting about getting to do, and of course you want to do that because you've got the beautiful dolphins in the intercoastal. You're going to see all the different types of birds, the, the pelicans. Birds. Yeah, the pelicans are diving for fish. You want to get out of your car. So if you're in South Texas on the bay riding the ferry from Wisconsin, then you want to get out of your car and take videos and pictures. And of course you do, right? But it's COVID season right now. COVID season. It's COVID season. It's mating season and COVID season. So we drive up on the ferry and this one guy gets out of his car and the lady that's in charge is like blowing her whistle. Beep, 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 blowing her whistle at him like, get back in your car, sir. Sir, get back in your car. So w were you on the inside lane where you can't see the water? No, I was on the outside. Fantastic. It was really nice. Yeah. It was good. And we had our windows rolled down and it just was really nice. And the girls were super like chill. We enjoyed our day together being like teenagers hanging out with our mom. And you're trying to pull up to where you're not going to have to interact with anyone else. Right. You know, that's the idea. And we get situated with our big blanket tapestry on the ground and our stupid freaking folding chairs that suck balls and wow. <laughs> they're horrible i hate them so bad i like fought with them the whole time so if i fight with the chairs i get them all put up and then i really just let them be teenage girls so they go out in the water by themselves they go on walks by themselves they lay out and tan by themselves we only stayed there for about two and a half hours yeah we weren't there for that long but one of the things that i happened but that you got your toes in the great. sand oh yeah and yeah. i got oh i went as the second that i got out of the car i went straight to the water and like dove in the water how and cold swam. is it right now it was cool when you generally, you, you know, an adult with an eight to five, you know, and my eight to five has not ever been exactly the way other people's eight to five is. But on May the 13th, I'm not usually just going, all right, girls, let's go to the beach. Right. You know, usually we're at school and work. We're, you know. Oh, yeah. Every, yeah. Right. So I kind of had forgotten that it was May still, mid-May. And also the sun and the weather was beautiful. Oh, the sun and the weather was perfect and the sunshine was perfect. And I was imagining, because I'm so used to being inland, it's going to be blazing hot. We're not going to want to be out there that long. We're going to get there too late in the day. It was perfect. We were there midday, mid-sun. The water was cool. The air was nice, perfect. We tanned a little bit. We walked down the beach, whatever. But then one of the things that was super fun, I like to do headstands. Because I think that when you turn yourself upside down, you get some blood in your brain or something. I don't know. <laughs> it just, it feels like my health is better when I go upside down some. I feel more energetic. I feel healthier. I started doing headstands and Lily started doing headstands. And there were like three girls up there trying to, all over the beach, like wallering around trying to do handstands and everything. And then, so the girls get out the phones because they're doing like TikTok type things. Sure. And then they start, said, okay, you need to throw it back. And I was like, well, what does that mean? So they do this thing with their butt and they wiggle like, oh, you know, like I don't even know how to describe it. But it looks like they're like winding up to throw a fast pitch, throw it back. So I'm like, oh, we're throwing a ball. And they're like, no, mom. <laughs> they're like laughing at me. So somewhere floating around in the universe is a video of me on TikTok or something throwing it back well, terribly bad. Do you throw it back well? No, I don't think I threw it back well. I like your back. Right. <laughs> Throw it, throw it around. I don't know. I bet I love that video. The headstand, I can handle. The throwing it back, maybe not so much. So then we got time to go for a snack and we circled back to Port Aransas and we went to one of our favorite places to go on the beach, which I'm sure that this probably makes you a little bit jealous. It makes anybody jealous that I know of that is used to going to Port Aransas. We went over to Beach Lodge. Oh, I love Beach Lodge. 
Beach Lodge is one of the only places in Beach Port Lodge Orange, is the Sopatra most unique Island. dump that's not a dump you've ever been to. Yeah, it's right on the beach. Best onion rings. You can in the literally whole area. sit on the porch mm. as long as it's not COVID. When it's COVID, there's only two tables allowed on the porch. Well, that was kind of a bummer. Did but you did you she, get a table? No, it was already full. So but what did she, you do? We sat on the we sat inside. Uh. It wasn't that. It wasn't bad. Everything was it was still nice. There wasn't that many people there. Right. It's just that normally they'd have that place packed from top to bottom. Right. But now they can't. 25% max. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the girls were kind of making jokes about because we ordered like chips and queso and some french fries or whatever. And the girls were like, this food is kind of garbage. <laughs> and I go, well, the thing about the beach lodge is the food, it was never about the food. And it was never about the the ambiance because it's literally oh, it is a all hole about the in the wall. Yeah, it's whole, it's got beautiful hole in the wall ambiance. It's perfect hole in the wall ambiance. And me and the waitress, the waitress there, she we talked about that. Like, I'm like, I remember the beach lodge when it was a dive in a flea bag motel. That you never knew what people were doing in those rooms, you know? And she's like, hey, 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 you know, we're all laughing about it. One thing that we should definitely mention is that Port Aransas two years ago got blown off the map, basically. Mm-hmm. So anything that's left. Harvey. Yeah. The hurricane, Hurricane Harvey. Anything that's left or got rebuilt. Is new. And it's got a new, new coat of paint. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that know the island Port Aransas as a beautiful little island town that you have to go to in Texas. And you're right. You you have to. It's it's one of the most magical places. There is nothing more special to me, really, in terms of places that I grew up than Padre Island Beach and Port Aransas. So we then we headed back to the other side. We basically drove the island. The big island goes all the way down to South Padre, which is all the way to Mexico, basically. But we can actually drive from one part we call Port Aransas and the other part we call Padre Island. So we drove the beach. Were there some slap and banger? <laughs> actually, one of our biggest complaints from the trip was that whole thing that we talked about a minute ago about how my phone doesn't have Augs cord on it anymore. Mm-hmm. So the music wasn't exactly as banging as it could have Ca- been. Causing you big problems. When we were headed back from the island, headed back towards town, the timing was perfect for us to meet up with my son, who had just driven in from college at one of my favorite restaurants in town. In fact, we've actually mentioned this restaurant in a past episode when we were talking about the 25 best restaurants in town that Mm -hmm. I was involved in doing. I basically said it was sacrilege that Snoopy's wasn't on that list. Our first post-COVID restaurant visit, Snoopy's, which makes so much sense to me. It's right on the water. It's mm-hmm. perfect sunsets, fried shrimp, fried oysters, mm-hmm. cold beer, great mm-hmm. hush puppies. I love Snoopy so much. And there wasn't a ton of people there, which 25% is 25% un- max capacity. Actually, that's unusual, though, because usually Snoopy's is there's lined. No, there's no there's tourists right now. There's, yeah. z- there's zero tourists down here. I have, find it hard to, hard to believe that. I drove the beach. I saw the tourists. There were a lot of people on the beach. So that was kind of day one of all the teenagers starting to come into town for the Mother's Day weekend, which was really, really nice. It was the first time in a long time that all six of us were at the house together. Yes, which is perfect. That's that's when we are going to get the best dinner table talks. That's when we're going to get everybody around the table playing it games. It felt and so good. It felt so good. And I agree. We went out to the backyard. I yeah. mean, there was no argument. We were talking about this one's college and that one's new hair color i mean we and got, even some of the hard conversations that you know we needed to have there were a couple of uh, yeah 
let's get the elder children's way in on some things that have been going on around here. Uh-huh. Nothing tragic, nothing horrible, but we're all together and we're going to talk like a family. Saturday morning was really nice because we had breakfast together and we got to sit around the table and talk for a really long time and play Uno. The fun part about it was the JHack policy making of the rules of how we play Uno in this household. And that's one of the games I can actually talk me into as opposed to the Jackbox games. I certainly am not going to play Clue or Life, whatever. I I just don't like that. You just generally don't like to play games. Right. We tempt you with the nuts and honey of Uno. Whatever it is about Uno that you can't agree with. It's just the six of us sitting around the table mostly chatting while we also play a game. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things. And so then that day... I think we were just hungry to get all six of us just together, you know? Well, I thought it was interesting that even as the breakfast rolled away, no one moved. And that's not unusual, but this was like a real, like, we're not in a hurry to get up from the table because we're enjoying the conversation that we're having at the table with our family did you see my silent slip off to find the uno cards yeah it was good it was good so the next day was mother's day and you and my dad and my brother had talked about doing something for the moms yeah your dad brought it up come out to the farm and let's have the most amazing seafood boil that we can possibly concoct crawfish is one of my favorites snow crabs is one of my favorites boiled shrimp and corn and potatoes and then you had the fish fry station we've talked yeah. about the fish fry there was on before. fish fry there was fried oysters there was raw oysters i mean we just ate and ate and ate and it's interesting because we had missed easter and we had missed all of the things that are feasts in my family a feast a feast a feast <laughs> it's like it was, like, was a, like a culmination it of, was like a cork had popped off of a champagne bottle yeah. we did all of the feasts all in one big gathering and of course course jack the tiny cousin yeah who looks forward to the big kids coming he was super excited they can about ride the big all cousins the, they can ride all the fun farm atvs and they can and they did uh-huh there was apparently an incident that uh, happened yeah. by my the way my daughter ran one into a tree yeah well what was funny about it was one thing i've learned about the j-hack kids mm-hmm. is they don't, they don't tattle on each other <laughs> right no one had really said anything about it and then we get home and Savannah goes straight to the shower and the kids are like, Savannah had to go straight to the shower. I'm like, oh, what happened? Well, she ran the mule into a tree. So apparently she scratched herself all up. Well, Jack, who's the four-year-old cousin, is like, Savannah ran into a tree, you know, later on. So the next day when I go out there to talk to my dad about the farm and stuff, he's like, yeah, I heard the kids had a little incident with the mule. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I heard too. And he's like, there was nothing wrong. Well, there was one light that was pointing straight up at the ceiling, but <laughs> otherwise, ultimately, she's a 14-year-old that's got to learn to drive at some point, and hopefully that's the only thing she ever crashes into a tree. At one point, your mom tells the kids, I've got these old videos, the old DV tapes and uh-huh. VHS tapes that, she, that she'd converted uh-huh. to digital so we could watch it now. Mm-hmm. And I went inside, and all of the kids and your mother were surrounding the television watching Disney videos from you'll have to tell me when oh uh, well we we went when the kids were three and seven I believe and then we went again when they were like six and ten and I said I I don't have any interest in this but I'll sit down and play along 45 minutes later Right. I I say, I've got to quit watching these or I'm just going to be in here for the rest of the day. It was a fascinating look 
at you and the kids. Before you, before we knew you. Pre-me. And when the kids were little. Yeah. And when they're, you know, had different interactions with different mom and dad. And And it clearly sparked something in your daughter. I think it's what's nice about those videos is for them to be able to see, especially teenage girls, what it was like to be the center of attention. Yeah. Well, and one of the things she had said, which I thought was funny, she goes, mom, you yelled at Cortland. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I I think I'm about to get told that I was really hard on Cortland when we were little, when he was little. Then she goes, but he totally deserved it. <laughs> it was my birthday and I was the one getting attention. And you told him, Cortland, it's not your birthday. It's not your time. It's not your day. It's well, Lillian's day today. You well, know, in our house, we have stacks of old photo albums that you've put together over the years. But she never showed an interest in looking at any of them. She pulled them all down. And then she also pulled down my teenage year one, which I thought that was funny because there was definitely some pictures in there I would prefer she didn't oh, see. Well, if you don't mind if I tell the story, she came in last night after having possession of these photo albums for several days and said, Mom, I just saw a picture of you kissing a boy. Making out with oh, somebody yeah, on prom ma- night. Making out with somebody. And you said, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah, open mouth. And all of a sudden I was... Very curious to see this photograph. You ran in there, I noticed, and took that photo album away from her. The damage has been done. Well, of course. It was the after prom party. Can I see the photo album? The after prom party. I want to see. Savannah started getting into it, too, which I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, that Savannah was curious about what what our life looked like back then. And I'm not going to ignore the idea that this whole COVID thing has bonded you and Savannah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Things have gotten In a very great thing to watch. Yeah. Well, the 90s is in style, and my outfits... Oh, these were books and books and pictures and pictures of you in style in the 90s? Yes. Can I see these tonight? No. The one that they liked the best, though, was my modeling one. And they didn't know. I mean, they didn't really know this. I mean, Lily knew a little bit, but Savannah certainly didn't know. But I was a model. I did calendars and radio spots, and I did beauty what, what pageants. What age was this? I started doing it at, like, age 13, and then I did it all the way till, like, 17 or 18, I guess. I, I don't think 18. I don't think I was an adult, but I had... And you competed been, in pageants and stuff. Yeah, like Miss Texas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was, you know, me in tiny bikinis and me in with my boobs pressed up as high as they could possibly. And if you think about the 90s. Really high boobs? High cut swimsuits, you know, and boobalicious. I guess I I say if you think about the 90s, we were probably actually more covered then than we are now, than they are now in the things that they do. But it was more skin than they were expecting to see pictures of you. I think that they were surprised. And then they would say, oh, that's a great outfit. I would wear that outfit. And man, I wish she still had that dress. And then, of course, I always love to remind Lillian that I modeled for Selena back when Selena was first taking on some clothing and before the, the, the tragedy. Because is... everybody hears into Selena, including my daughter, who wears a Selena t-shirt. And I've got a catalog of me with Selena clothes and because I modeled in Corpus Christi. I've been remotely Corpus Christi famous since about 14. <laughs> Corpus Christi Backyard TV. Tonight's top story, there's a lot of chicken news. You mentioned two weeks ago that we lost your favorite bird. Harvey. Of our adult flock. Yes. And you said then that she was the queen of the flock, the top of the flock, the head chicken. Yep. You were correct. We effectively have two flocks now. The adult chickens that live outside. The biddies, I call them. And the babies that are about six weeks old now. They go from... 
inside overnight to outside during the day. And I love my biddies and my babies, both of them. So sweet. Well, the biddies after Harvey was killed have gone absolutely bonkers. I <laughs> didn't know what to do. That's why they didn't come out of the coop that those days. Like di- for days and days and days, they wouldn't come out of the coop. I have had to do a lot of research about flock mentality because our flock is devastated and shook up and completely interrupted by the death of the queen of the flock. Uh-huh. They stopped laying eggs. And then tonight they laid an egg in the compost bin. Tonight I found an <laughs> egg in the compost bin. <laughs> And that wouldn't be funny if it wasn't the first time they ever haven't laid eggs exactly where they know they're supposed to lay eggs, which is in a uh, nesting box in their coop. That egg fell out because she'd been holding it too long. She farted and... <laughs> and one day you go, well, how the heck did they lay two eggs? And I'm like, they can lay two eggs. No, I know but they what can, it is, but is it's, it's never all... happened before. It has happened before. They're you discombobulated. Just... They're literally like holding on to eggs because they don't know what to do with them. Well, what happens is the queen of the flock or the rooster is usually the head of the flock. We have no roosters. Uh, So when it's a hen only flock, the queen of the flock kind of takes the role of the rooster. Mm -hmm. They're in charge and they give all of the cues. I will eat first. I get to pick where I want to sleep. I'll lay eggs first. Actually, you know how I said that she's always kind of like off on her own? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the roosters are usually off and off on their own, too. Well, when Until she, they insist that it's time for them to interact. When it was her job to give the cues uh-huh. and she goes away, they don't know what to do and when to do it. Yeah. Now, I am starting to see some egg production and things will even out. They always do. The flock will reassemble. Someone will arise to the top of the flock. Now, that's just the adults. we got that whole thing going on. <laughs> right. And then the, the babies. Backtracking to us having the lovely Saturday Mother's Day weekend where we're playing Uno at the dinner table with our kids and everything's great. And I've gone out and checked on my baby chicks and then come back in. And then I go back out and I see one of the black and white chicks walking around the yard. <laughs> they're not supposed to be there. They're, 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 like, in a, they're in a cage. And I'm like, dang it. And I, I catch her. So I was like, how the hell did she get out? And I look over and I see a frigging dog. And then I looked at the cage. I look at the cage and there's no chickens inside of it. And, and at that point, screaming. I start yelling. Je- I mean, and this is like, it's not just me freaking out at no. this point. I'm not just freaking out. Oh. I'm calling you yeah, because the- I need your help. I'm watching this dog. I don't know what's happened to the chickens. The baby chick is in my hand. I'm, I'm literally holding the one that I, that was roaming around the yard. So we spent the next 20 minutes Easter egg hunting our baby chicks out of all the little places that they hid in well, the yard. first of all, assuming dog- the worst. Oh, yeah. They're all gone. There's a dog in the yard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it has been unattended for enough time for some serious damage to be done. And I think the first indicator was all of a sudden one of them, like, popped out. Uh-huh. There oh, it is. There's one. Where'd that come from? Oh, there's another one. Literally, like I said, it's like Easter egg hunting for these baby chicks. Like a mother hen, I was so proud of them when I discovered that they had all gone and hidden. We found all... Seven baby chicks. Now, the dog did get a hold of one of them and took it outside of the yard. Her feathers were in the middle of the yard. And she's got a limp that is yeah, getting better. she does. But it's not all bad news because in the mail came the little rings that They're you bracelets. put around. Bracelets. So you put around a leg. They're all different colors and you can identify your chickens that way. So this is how we name them and like separate them apart. And usually, sometimes you can tell them apart, but two things is going to happen. Number one, we've got two, the black and white chickens, they're twins. They look the same. 
we wouldn't be able to tell those two apart, most likely. And then as they all get older, we've there's going to be a hard time to tell some of the older ones from the younger ones. And as they well. won't look the same in 12 weeks as they do now, some of the species. Sure, yeah. The feathers change colors as they grow. Yes. There are six people in the house. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to name a chicken. That's the idea. Queen Aislinn gets to name two. I get to name a few. You get to do whatever you want. I get to name as many of them as I want to, really. So we've come up with three (laughs) of seven names. We have Sam E, because you you kept saying when she was young, she looked like an eagle. The color pattern. So I was like, what's the na- what was the name of that bald eagle from the Muppets? Sam E. Sam E. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm watching Sam E, because she might turn into Sam E. Might be a rooster. <laughs> yeah. It happens. She's big. She's big. If we get a rooster, we'll have to take her out to your mom and To the dad's. farm. That will be perfect for her. Not allowed to have him, roosters in the her, city limits. Him, her. Her, him. And then after that, there's this one. It's an all black. It's like a jungle bird. We talked about this early on. It's going to have taller legs. It's thinner. And it's going to be a taller chicken. But it's literally, its feathers are all black. Even around its eyes, its ears, black, black, all black. But if you look really closely at it, its feathers are like green and purple. Like it is so beautiful. It is the most beautiful chicken. I named her Maleficent. She has a purple band. She's beautiful. And she's also a little like conniving. She, I, I expect her to fl- try to fly. And I expect her to maybe try to be the queen. Oh, yeah, definitely. Last but not least, Hunter chose to name his chicken. He picked up real pretty um, brown and black Easter egger and he named her Cardi. You know, like C-A-R-D-I, Cardi. C-A-R-T-I. C-A-R-T-I. It's not after Cardi B. Oh, what is it after? It's an unanswered question. Cardi. C-A-R-T-I. Dog attacks, dead chickens. Yeah. It's been a big chicken Naming week. chickens, all, all of the things that have happened with chickens. But even a bigger and better than that is this challenge that you put yourself on, this sauce challenge. So tell us about your experience. We did that so spontaneously two weeks ago. I had made King Rat's chicken. You were in the kitchen hanging out with me. You saw that bechamel sauce that I whipped together. You called it a bechamel sauce. And I said, you know what we should do? There are five mother sauces. With a snap. Over the next four weeks, we should round out the set and do five mother sauces in five weeks. They are bechamel, velu, espanol, and tomato sauce, or tomate. And then later on, hollandaise was added. The idea here is that all sauces are derived from these five. And so the notion is if you want to excel in your kitchen, if you want to be better at being able to create all kinds of different things, it would make sense to just know the basics of these five sauces. So four of the five mother sauces start with a roux, which is just a fancy name for flour mixed with fat. Equal parts butter and flour get cooked over medium heat, and then a liquid gets added. And you're doing that in four different ways. Now, the fifth sauce is a product of emulsification, and that's your hollandaise sauce. Of the five, one of these things just doesn't belong. The hollandaise is different than the others. So I explained last week that the bechamel was butter and flour with dairy, traditionally milk or cream. Mm-hmm. So the velou, the same roux, butter and flour, with white stock, which is like a non-brown stock chicken or fish stock. Or your espanol, which is roux, right? Same roux, with a brown stock, which is t- traditionally veal or beef. Or your tomato, which is roux plus tomatoes. And we'll do those three in the future. Mm-hmm. Did bechamel two weeks ago. Did hollandaise this week. And when you think of hollandaise, Aislinn, what do you usually think of like the most traditional common use of hollandaise sauce? You want the real answer or the answer you want? I want both. 
Well, the real answer is, is that I think of asparagus with hollandaise sauce at a steakhouse with a baked potato on the side. Okay. However, I also think of eggs benedict. But here's the thing. Eggs benedict, the reason why I wouldn't think of that as the top thing. Uh-huh. That's nothing I would ever order. Eggs benedict. Never. I love eggs benedict. Don't. It's not nothing I would ever, ever order. Oh, that's lovely. I made us some eggs benedict because I figured if we're making the hollandaise sauce, oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let's oh. get it done. Yeah. So whereas those other four sauces are your roux plus a different liquid, your hollandaise sauce is completely different. Instead of using a roux or a reduction, hollandaise uses the method of emulsification, which is the act of using a binding agent, in this case egg yolk, to force two ingredients that don't mix well together. And in this case, that's going to be butter and lemon juice. Those two things don't like each other very much. You add the egg yolks and then you can emulsify these two items. And when you start to look into hollandaise sauce and when you start to make hollandaise sauce, this is not the first hollandaise sauce I've ever made, but it's the first hollandaise sauce I've made in a long time. I remembered immediately that as easy as Gordon Ramsay and all those guys make it look in the YouTube videos, hollandaise sauce is a learned thing. Because what happens when you mix butter and raw egg and heat it up? The eggs get scrambled, whole, like egg drop soup. Exactly. So the whole trick with hollandaise sauce is keeping it from breaking, not being silky, smooth, and delicious. You do that by whisk and you do that by temperature control. Aislinn, I had it perfect. And then I had to let it sit over here for a little while while I did other things. Mm-hmm. And then when I heated it back up, dude, that sauce totally broke. <laughs> now, I did have my English muffin and I did have my Canadian bacon, turkey bacon, and I did have my poached egg. And then I would have drizzled on top a beautiful yellow, creamy, dripping, perfectly hollandaise sauce. And instead, what I had looked like, I don't know. It tasted good. I'm going to make this again. I'm going to serve this correctly. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for table topics. I am ready. I didn't even let you choose a category. I just randomly pulled a card. No problem. (laughs) I don't know if this is a good question or not, but let's go for it. Which wild animal would you like to tame and keep as a pet? From the entire animal kingdom. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hmm. I've never thought about this before. The, the like quick answers would be like a monkey. I'm going to remove cats from the equation because I'm sure that I'm as allergic to big cats or leopards and stuff as I am to house cats. You don't want to be Joe Exotic is what you're saying. Who would want to be and who would ever give a, I, a dime or a dollar to that. I think some people would want to be Joe Exotic. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. It's going to be a monkey. And I guess it's going to be they throw feces. a manageable, not my tame monkey. <laughs> not your tame one. It's going to be like the one on Friends, that size monkey. What is that? A rhesus monkey? Not a chimpanzee, not an orangutan, not a gorilla. No too big. I have no clue. Too big. I want one of those small, compact monkeys that would hang out with me and be my friend, mm-hmm. like a dog, mm-hmm. but could also go like really fetch things with those opposable thumbs of theirs. What about you? I think I want like a toucan Sam, like a really, really cool tropical bird that, that like has its own cage, but then like has the ability to like come out and sit on a stoop or maybe like hang out and maybe walk around on the table near me or maybe, maybe he likes me enough to come up on my shoulder or something. I don't know what's appropriate for a toucan, but I think a cool bird would be fun. I mean, aside from a monkey, right? Like, I don't know that I want a monkey, and I definitely don't want a cat. Well, I, my monkey wears a diaper. 
It's a tame monkey. Right. So then I also think about the koalas. My monkey's potty trained. It goes in there and sits. I think about koalas because I think how cute oh, koalas would be, would be nice. if they just like snuggled up to you, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. with their little koala noses. That would be cute. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the koalas we saw in the San Diego Zoo? I, I remember the San Diego Zoo being one of the most fantastical places that I ever went to. Do you remember that there was a cheetah walking down the sidewalk on a leash, but it was a chain leash? I do remember that. That was freaking cool. We literally walked past a cheetah on the sidewalk at the San Diego Zoo. The panda exhibit. The panda exhibit was amazing. Mm -hmm. But the cheetah is memorable. The cheetah and the koalas were memorable. You know what else is memorable? Because I've been thinking about it lately. The monkeys eating from the fig trees. They had huge, huge, huge fig trees. Yes. The fig trees would stick out above, the netting would come out on the top, and then they would get the figs from the netting and eat it. And so they had eaten all the figs they could get to. And then they were like reaching their paws through trying to get the ones that had gone through the netting. And I think about that because we've got some really huge fig trees at the farm. And I was thinking, like, we're going to need some monkeys to eat all these figs. (laughs) Dude, that sauce totally broke. Hey, thank you so much for joining us at the dinner table tonight. Of course, there's always many ways you can reach out and get in touch with us. Facebook, Instagram, dinnertabletalks.com. Send us a message or give us a review. Make sure that you're listening and sharing with your friends. All those things make more people have access to the dinner table with Aislinn and Joe. We look forward to seeing you next week.